Hello, and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm James Key, the trivia nerd from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm Jeff with RMT Trivia in Chicago. And I'm Tipster, host and land penguin at the Pinnacle Larder, floating somewhere in the middle of the Antarctic Ocean. And welcome to today's episode, because it doesn't feel like I'm floating in the middle of the Antarctic Ocean right now, because I am dripping in my own sweat. Oh, goodness. Uh, I am suffering for my art right here. (laughs) Um, Were you just doing high-intensity aerobics? Or... Uh, no, uh, no, unfortunately not. Uh, in fact, computer, what's the office temperature right now? The office temperature is thirty point three degrees. Ooh, that's cold. Uh, oh man, thirty point like three Ce- Celsius. Yeah, Celsius. We um, use Celsius here in international no. waters. As as James and I talked about last week, we use Eagle cheeseburgers here in America. So oh, that number right. means nothing to me. <laughs> I, how do how do translate into um, not freedom units? Isn't um, that uh, isn't that somewhere around like ninety something degrees? Eighty six. Eighty six. It looks like. Oh, that's which that's the temperature outside right now, according to my handy little new Windows weather thing that they installed without my permission or anything. It's just like, <laughs> hey, reboot your computer and ta-da, there it is. Oh, Windows <laughs> taking a leap leaf out of uh, out of U 2s book then. <laughs> yeah. Did you want this album? Too bad. It's here now. <sighs> yeah, but long yeah, story short, it is hot. <laughs> yeah. I always, uh, when it when it comes down to, I know we talked about units last week, but when it comes down to units, it, it always made sense to me why Fahrenheit should be the temperature that people temperature is done in. Like, I don't care about science. I don't care about cooking. I don't care about anything else. But like, for me... 100 is very hot and zero is very cold and like my brain just understands that it's a scale from one to 100 and if it goes below zero that's crazy cold and if it goes I, above 100 it's crazy hot i mean like, it's the same in celsius zero is very cold 100 is very hot well yeah i guess i guess you're not wrong i guess you're not but like when somebody says man it's a blistering 32 degrees outside my brain goes what are you even talking about that's like there was uh, one of the Harry Potter films starts off with a, I think it's uh, let's see if my brain can work. I think it's the either Order of the Phoenix where he starts off sitting at a, he starts off sitting at a playground and you mm. can hear a weather report saying, oh it's gonna be thirty degrees, and my brain my brain just goes, it doesn't look thirty degrees, it looks really it's quite quite nice out. I don't know what he's so upset about. But that's the it's the one where uh, the uh, Dementors show up and attack him and his. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, his, uh, that that sounds like Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that would make sense because that's when he learned the Patronus trip. Never mind. That's just me being a super nerve. But, <laughs> <laughs> from, but then, from intense heat into Harry Potter. That's, yeah, that's that's, that's the that's kind of tangents to expect. Here. <laughs> <laughs> but then. Uh, what is it? It's negative forty. That's the same in both, right? Correct. Oh, yes. Um. Uh. Yes. So as long as it's very cold, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Other than that, I gotta figure it out. I mean, I'm not planning on being <laughs> in negative forty degree temperatures anytime soon. 
but I'll keep you posted because uh, <laughs> uh, it, it it's surprising how much of a heat sink my office is right now. Yeah. Uh, it is ten degrees hotter in here than it is outside. Wow, just... why is it why is it so much worse inside? Is the uh, air is the air broken or something like that? I mean, is the HVAC not working. We, wow, no, we don't we don't have one of those. Welcome to, welcome to the Antarctic Ocean. We don't, <laughs> we don't have, you know, air conditioning. Well, I have a fan, but all that <laughs> does is spins air around the room. I mean, it makes me feel colder, but it doesn't actually make the room colder. Uh, uh, put a put a bowl of ice water in front of the fan, and that should. Uh, it's either in front of it or behind it, one of the two, and it will like uh, circulate cooler air for you. Yeah, I tried doing that, and then. Uh, what happened is I just ended up like, I just ended up wetter. <laughs> like the air, the air was already quite humid, so adding more water to it just makes it wetter. It's just dampened things. So not only am I dripping sweat, but now the air is putting more water on me. So <laughs> it was like this is not a pleasant experience. I'm just gonna, just gonna kind of hopefully get through this recording <laughs> and then go and um lie down in the fridge for a bit uh <laughs> is the plan i think um i do have a nice ice cold glass of water next to me that is fine no tea today i'm afraid tea fans uh because it is too hot well i would suggest you use dry ice but uh, the you, you all remember the uh, crazy Russian hacker? Oh my God! Uh, I was oh just no. about to talk about that. He he <laughs> created you know this like super cooling mechanism where he used dry ice, but it's like uh, don't put that in an enclosed room or you'll die. die. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you will like, literally suffocate. Yeah, oh, was it? You're gonna be so comfortable when you do. <laughs> Wasn't it? It was just like a big bucket full of dry ice that he had cut a hole in, and he put one end of a leaf blower into it, and then drilled a hole on the other side, so it just blows cold. I think it's like carbon monoxide or carbon, carbon dioxide. dioxide. No, it's carbon yeah. dioxide. Yeah, it just fills fills the house with it's beautifully not, cold carbon dioxide. It's not as lethal as it could be, but it yeah. is still lethal. <laughs> well, I think if I went to a restaurant and they were blowing. Even if it was delightfully cold, if they were blowing carbon dioxide on me, I might have to speak to a manager. I might just summon my inner Karen and say, hey, please stop <laughs> murdering me with the carbon dioxide. I, I feel like you don't need to be a Karen to complain about the <laughs> fact that, like, the room is slowly killing you. Yeah. I feel like that is an acceptable thing to complain yeah. about. That's, that is an acceptable thing to offer feedback on. Please don't murder me. Hey, speaking of feedback, guys, what, uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about today in our episode? <laughs> and we've... Oh, God, that was that was a walk and that was that, bad. That was quite a walk in the park we took there. Um, uh, we're talking about feedback tonight. Uh, so all kinds. Uh, we've kind of touched on it briefly in a lot of the episodes that we've recorded. A lot of us kind of glossed over it in brief. But we thought, why don't we dig into... What is feedback? What kind of feedbacks you uh, feedbacks? What kinds <laughs> of feedback you get, and how to deal with them? Um, which, when I say it like that, sounds like an obvious thing, but 
I feel like there's some nuances and kind of small things people can do to make things easier for themselves. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, let's start off the top. What kinds of feedback are there? What kinds of feedback have you, you two, in your pub quizzing career, come across in your time? Uh, I'd say the first one is like that feedback you get, which is immediate. Uh, usually it's, you know, something as simple as a little bit of applause or a cheer or booze. Uh, maybe, you know, somebody yelling up uh, something clever from the back. Whatever it is, <laughs> it's, a, it's reactive for the moment that just happened. Some and, light heckling. Yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, I, I'll tell you, going with that heckling and, and, you know, back and forth, I feel like that that's an important part of trivia hosting is that you have a little bit of banter between yourself and the players. I know that Corey uh, likes to take that a bit to the extreme where he plays the heavy, the bad guy, a lot with that. And it's kind of, uh, you know, not mean-spirited, but he, he is very... Oh, I'm sure there's a delicate word that I could use here, but you, you know what I'm saying. He's uh, He likes to give it as much as he would receive it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't uh, like to be, you know, critical of people or anything. I will, you know, like if somebody gives a dumb or a funny answer, I'll bring it up. I won't. Yeah. mention you know it's like hey that guy over there everybody point and laugh uh but <laughs> you know just something like that um and I, I like when people do react to the questions especially the ones i almost kind of expect a reaction from yeah uh, sometimes the ones that i don't expect a reaction though that's just as good uh you know asking a question where you feel like even if a lot of people get it right a lot of people felt like it was a tough one and oh yeah we got it right and they high five and and yeah. cheer you know each other on those ones uh, are you know, those ones are great that like that kind of moment of everybody's like holding their breath for a second until you answer and then they're like yeah you know like everybody kind of has like this big sigh of relief like mm -hmm. as a room that they did get mm -hmm. it right that's that's a wonderful feeling i think there's also something to be said for um and this is in my mind this is the worst case scenario where you read out a question and the room is silent it is dead silent. People aren't talking about it. People don't know really where to start with the question. Yeah. That for me is the most most negative kind of reaction you can have to a question is almost no reaction at all. Yeah. Um, is is that well, something that you'd agree with? I I would I wouldn't necessarily agree on the whole. I think one or two of those per game where like you finish the question and everybody is really thinking yeah if that's if that's like if you know that that's your fastball pitch if you know that that's your tough question this game mm -hmm. you shouldn't you shouldn't expect anybody to you shouldn't expect oh you know you shouldn't expect a lot of that right off the bat that should come a little bit later because people have to think about what you just said yeah if you're playing your whole game and that's the immediate response to every question um maybe it might be that it's a different crowd than you're used to or like because in a bar that would be really odd uh when i would host my larger events 
uh, for churches and schools and stuff like that. As after I read the question, there was always a few seconds of very quiet because it's a big room of people all whispering, you know, so there was a little whispers and stuff, but there was always a, a chunk of quiet. So I, I think that generally you don't want to see that too much in a regular pub trivia setting, because I think you're right. I think that that means that maybe you went too went too hard on the question. Um, but I would expect it at least once or twice per game, mm-hmm. just just in terms of, you know, when when you really let them have it with a really tough question, like you should expect them to be like, oh, shit, like just take them back for a second before they start thinking about it. I think if it's too quiet for too long and eh, maybe then you're in maybe then you're entering into danger territory. That actually happened to me at the very last game that I was uh, hosting where <clears throat> throughout the question. And just nothing. There's like, you know, people are looking around a little bit at each other. And I instantly then go back to the mic and I say, ooh, man, I got everybody thinking on that one. All right, well, come on, uh, you know, talk it over a little bit. You know, that way it doesn't feel like everybody's frozen in time. Just taking a little bit of that control back and saying, hey, it's okay. Everybody seems to be a little bit stumped on this one. Go ahead, talk it and think it over. Um, And I, I, being in that like you say, bar, trivia, pub trivia, environment. I kind of feel like you're right. If you get that once or twice a night, that's probably a good thing because I even talked about that with the audience as a whole um, after a a particularly up and down round where it was like, you know, some easy and some difficult. I said, you know, they all can't be... 100% 100% you get them every time. Otherwise, you know, this isn't trivia. It's just, uh, you know, uh, uh, everybody's going to line up and pat each other on the back and, and that's it. And everybody goes home. No, you got to have something where the scores start to to divide up. Uh, and if you don't have those hard questions where people have those moments of silence, then you're probably not <clears throat> doing them a favor. You know, you want to make sure to, to diversify. And I think that reaction is something that says you're doing it right. I should point out here, by the way, uh, that because I host solely online, mm. I don't get that uh, immediate or reactive feedback a lot. Um, because, like, the, you know, a, a boo or a cheer or a sigh or just kind of dead silence um, is an involuntary reaction a lot of the time. And people have to engage brain to type in chat. So... It's it's one of those things where it's it's interesting to hear that from you two because I've I don't experience that when I experience silence after a question I'm kind of almost used to that because yeah. it means they're talking about the question with hopefully people in their team and not yeah. just sitting there twiddling their thumbs for you know the next two minutes. Um, uh, I I definitely had that in in my in my streamed games. Uh, the beginning of the game was always uh, there's always a little bit of time after I ask the question where chat pauses for a second as everybody's kind of discussing it and entering their answers and then it picks back up again. Um, or if there's something that I need to clarify or somebody says, could you clarify X? You know, you know, then that happens right away. But towards the end of the game, I'd noticed that overall the messages per minute drops over the whole course of the game because the questions are getting harder towards the end and they're have to they they're spending more time trying to answer as well. So I I I think that 
it it isn't a one-to-one comparison live to to online just because they have to take like you said they have to use their brain to type and they're using that in a different way at in another place to answer the question first so it's not like uh you don't get to audibly hear them talking it over they have to go do that someplace else so whereas in a live setting like that moment of silence after you ask the question where you realize whoo that was right over the plate you know no nobody was ready for that shit that is a totally different it's um it's almost an alien feeling to to get something like that in a stream you know just because it's not something you could experience the same way but i will say that um i i always did worry a little bit towards the end of my games where i'd see the chats drop off Mm-hmm. I, that that always got to me i'd look up at chat and nothing would be posted in like the last two or three minutes and i'd be like oh man i am not i'm either not engaging or anything and it wasn't until i really looked at the metrics to kind of see that like there's a reason that that's happening every game and then i kind of felt a little bit better about it but it's it's just one of those things when you're when you're hosting twitch chat well actually i was about to say that when you're hosting twitch chat you don't get a lot of immediate immediate feedback but you kind of do with the chat like people could tell you right away like boo this question you know yeah jason gets booed all the time granted that's kind of a fun that's kind of a fun thing for his channel but Mm -hmm. like if you really dislike the question you could straight up say in chat like this question is bullshit like if you're an (laughs) asshole about it like you could like you could immediately say i don't like it I mean, there is that extra layer of anonymity with Twitch chat, which allows people to be a little bit more bold in what they say, I feel, yeah. as well. Um, and, yeah, sometimes that does mean that they they don't hold back any punches. Yeah. Um, as, 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 you know, I've found out on some occasions. Um, uh, but there's... So that's kind of one type of feedback, I feel. Um, another that um, I kind of come across quite a bit is your, uh, your, your, your. There's a player coming up to you in a break or between questions, or during the break, or possibly even at the end of the night, um, and you know they're they're giving you feedback there and then, and sometimes it's to do with a particular question, sometimes it's to do with a particular round. Um, uh, do, do you tend to get that a lot um, live as well? I would say that people coming up between rounds is usually kind of rare, and it's almost always, like you said, about a specific question or some answer that they put in, where it's more like they want a clarification or they want to dispute an answer or something like that mm-hmm. um but still i think that's feedback but i think that that is probably going to be your 90 percent plus of the time going to be what people are going to tell you when the game is going on or even when it's between rounds or something like that i think end of the night feedback is where everybody is done with the game you know it's like ah let's all relax we're going to take off our player hat you can take off your host hat we can talk a little bit about what happened we can talk about some of the good and some of the bad and how you know oh i you know that like you say that category was bullshit haha and we laugh about it and whatever or 
boy, I wish, you know, I, I always get people that say, I wish you would ask more questions about this. And I like when they do that. I like hearing when I am missing something out of my repertoire that needs to be filled in. Uh, I think that based on my age, being 45 years old, growing up in the 80s, I would say that 80s and 90s pop culture, possibly plus the last five or 10 years in pop culture, are really going to be some of the stronger things that I can write about. So what happens to those 2000s to 2010s? What happens to the 1970s and before? I'm not really good with geography, so I got to really push myself to do geography questions. Uh, you know, and sometimes I forget about the things that I don't know to ask about. And hearing that from people at the end of the night, uh, whether I prompt them for it or whether they just come up and, and are comfortable enough to tell me, I appreciate. And I'm hoping that anytime that somebody is hosting that the players can feel comfortable approaching the host about things whether or not they can take it into consideration like for example i might get feedback about things i don't ask but if it's my uh, lta local trivia action company that's writing the questions nothing i can do about it you know i, I can tell them i can send something up the, the email chain. Now I'm the one giving feedback. Um, but when it's my own show, I, oh, I welcome it. I want to hear what people have to say so that yeah. I can make it what they need to hear. I am always interested in hearing what people say, as long as it's nice, as long as it's nice. <laughs> no, um, I, I, over the 10 years that I've been doing this, I've gotten quite a lot of kind of mid game or after game feedback from, from players and, occasionally non-players. Um, most recently, I had done a Star Trek theme round for my round three, which is always chosen by my viewers. And uh, one of my players took time to uh, to write a message and say, that was a really well-written round. I really He was a big Star Trek fan. And I tried to make the round accessible, but not impossible if you've never watched Star Trek and kind of like a walk down memory lane of really fun Star Trek memories. Uh, and he gave me a compliment saying how much he enjoyed and how well he thought it was written. And that really made me feel good and stuff like that. When anybody comes up and says, I really liked X about this round, or I really enjoyed the style of that question, the mechanics of that round or something like that. That's, that's always wonderful to hear that that immediate feedback of your audience, enjoying what you have prepared for them. It's, you know, it's the same thing as, a chef making somebody for something, some you know, making something for somebody, and then they eat it and go, man, this is really good. You know, mm. like that's just a really great feeling. Um, the opposite of that <laughs> would be the I don't like this feedback, um, yeah. which I've gotten that once or twice from regular players where um, either I kind of leaned harder into a category that people weren't, weren't interested in. And they said, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I take that in consideration. Um, and I did have a, I did have an old process by which if anybody, if the entire room got something wrong, uh, I would forever never talk about that subject. So, uh, I still won't ask the location of K2 cause nobody got it right. <laughs> or, um, but 
and and even that kind of non-positive feedback is still really good for you as a host because you need to know especially in a live setting what that audience is wanting to hear um because that's that's part of how we grow as a writer is you have to you could start off with kind of a generic question set but as the as the you know months and years go by you start to learn what your audience knows and doesn't know and what they expect and the difficulty level and your game has to grow with that mm. um and when you find yourself outside of that little growth you know that that growth sphere you know they will they'll let you know and they'll say hey 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 ho, ho, hey hold on a second you know let's let's do maybe 15 times less sports questions which is you know generally one of the first topics that people are like less sports you know <laughs> um and the, the the last thing that i want to say on this is every now and then i would get immediate feedback from a player or just a guest who wasn't playing that either it was their very first time and they never plan on playing again or they weren't even involved in the game at all and they'll come up and they'll say your questions are too hard you should make it easier or something silly like you should ask more questions about dolly parton or some some uber specific something uh and sometimes if if that's done in a way that's not disrespectful it's not a big problem but almost every time that I've had that conversation with somebody after a game, it's somebody essentially asking you to write the game for them to win it. Yeah. And that always feels really out of place. And like, it's a very thin line to walk. I mean, if you don't have a relationship with a person to tell them how to better do their job, that's never going to go over well with most artisans most people that craft things they're never going to be okay with you saying you should do it totally different or you should you should make it easier for me it's like no i'm not here for you i'm here for everybody um and um, you know this is to say like if you have a close friend that plays your game and they're giving you a hard time about something they really like that's a totally different thing you know like i i have a couple of regular players that were really big into board games they say you should ask more questions about board games they're like yeah i'll get right on that you know i'll just give them shit about it and that's a totally different thing but you know those kind of that's like the only feedback that i'm okay going like yeah sure cool thumbs up see you next see you next week maybe come back and play more than one time forever and then you know maybe i'll listen a little bit harder when you have complaints about how hard my game is but i you know that's just me being salty because I, <laughs> I got those conversations more times than I would have liked to have had them. So that that brings me on to something else actually, which um, is I mean this is something I've experienced in areas other than pub quizzing, um, and it's it's generally a feed feedback bias. Like feedback generally tends to be more negative than positive. Mm -hmm. um in a lot of areas people will tend to say something when something isn't right and tend to say nothing when it is mm -hmm. is is that similar in pub quizzing do you find or do you do you feel like people tend to be kind of more supportive because it is kind of a face-to-face -face entertainment role well um i agree with you on the bias where generally people critique and complain before they would decide to say something nice. Uh, I feel like then I've been pretty lucky that 
uh, especially with the new venue that I have that's going on about three months. So uh, there are a lot of new teams. New teams are coming in. Uh, there are some people that are becoming regulars. And they are saying good stuff about the show. They were like, wow, number one, it's great to even have trivia. Number two, <laughs> uh, it's you do a good job. You have uh, good questions, things like that, where it's a little bit more personal. Those feel, <clears throat> you know, especially good. Um, and I feel like me reciprocating that and saying, I want to thank you all for coming, you know, because without you, there is no show. And then, you know, it's like uh, you, you get to feel good about each other. You know, you say something nice and then I'll say something nice about you and <laughs> and it's a reciprocal thing. You know, so I think that maybe once, though, this becomes a, a year old or something like that, uh, you know what? I might not hear so much in the positive anymore. Um, I would say at the venue where I've been hosting for a longer time now, that's probably the case. I don't hear a lot of positive things about the show itself or about the questions or about the way I host or anything. It's just now become a thing. If they didn't like it, they wouldn't be there. I don't expect to hear people placating me every week. You know, I'm not going to go home and cry because nobody gave me a compliment. It's it's not what it's for. You know, it's, it's always nice to hear, but I, I think that you have to kind of grow not to expect it. But boy, when it does happen, it is nice. Um, you know, so I, I think that the positives might come with something new and something fresh, uh, unless you specifically go out and ask the audience what they thought about something. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I would sometimes do surveys at the end of my big annual shows, because if I'm only going to be there one time a year, and there are so many people, I'm probably not going to get to talk to everybody. Everybody's probably going to have an opinion about how they felt that night, how the game went. But they may not be able to otherwise tell me. So me having a survey for them to fill out, having them rate things from you know, zero to nine or, or whatever I do and, and having comments or whatever. And I'll tell you, I mean, it, it was a mixed bag of pluses and minuses to be sure when that happened. You know, I was... and, and I, yeah. oh, go ahead, James. Sorry. Well, I just say, uh, you know, surveys aren't the only way that we get, you know, post trivia feedback. Um, you know, so I was wondering if there's anything else that that comes to you in a different format or anything, or you can take it the way you want to, Jeff. Please. Well, yeah, I, I was just gonna say, um, despite despite the despite how reviews generally come in on regular products where it's overwhelmingly negative, if there's something wrong, they say something, if it's positive, then they don't say anything. I've found that, uh, in person, like someone coming to talk to you, uh, is overwhelmingly positive to me. Um, mostly because I've formed relationships with these people and generally, they are either giving me a hard time or they're saying, oh, I really like that or something. You know, they're my friends. You know, I I know almost all of them by name. I well, I haven't seen them in a year and a half, so it might be a struggle now. But generally, 
um, because they have to physically come up to me and stand in front of me and say, I did not like this. You know, there's a lot of people that wouldn't that would hold their tongue and not do that because either they didn't want to hurt my feelings or they didn't want to instigate that type of com that conversation. Most of those type of things would then be done later, you know, like through a through a survey or a or a review or like a Yelp review or something like that. But like so in person, almost all of the things that anyone has ever said to me about my game that day have been good natured, uh, overwhelmingly positive. Uh, except for the the few the few people that wanted me to write my show so that they could win and nobody else could win prizes, um, but when it comes to online reviews, um, honestly, I haven't my trivia hasn't been reviewed very much externally. Um, there's a couple of positive mentions on where I used to host trivia. Uh, that's like, oh, trivia night's a ton of fun, you know, stuff like that. Uh, nothing too, you know, nothing bad. Like, oh, stay away from their trivia night. It's dumb. I haven't seen anything like that in external stuff. Uh, but on my personal surveys, like James, I did send out, I would send out surveys about like, is there anything I could be doing better? Is there anything that you'd like to see more of? Is there anything the restaurant could be doing better? Uh, any, you know what I mean? Like, this is the time when I would want your, your responses to things. Um, and those are a little bit more. Uh, at least uh, in my mind, honest uh, in terms of I'd like to see more trash trivia questions or I'd like to see more sports questions. That's that's a thing I get asked for a lot. There's people that don't want sports and there's people that definitely want more sports. Um, and those are a little bit because I'm like James said, like you're literally saying, what could I be doing better to do this? And when you're asking your players that, um, they feel a lot better about bringing up an issue with you. Like there, there were some, there was an issue with uh, the booths in the restaurant where they had recently redone the, uh, the seat tops and they wobbled around a ton. Um, and nobody had told me that that the people were avoiding the booths because they didn't want their butts to wobble while they were playing until I sent out the survey and I, and I said, was there anything else? They're like, yeah, could you have them fix the booths? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, yeah, for like the last month. It's a wobble booth. It's been awful. And so, I, you know, I brought the, it's a, you know, but that never would have come to my attention. Nobody mentioned it to me, you know, that that was a thing. Um, but that's that's one of those things. The the uh, the afterwards reviews, like the next morning or the next day or somebody that that goes on to uh, Facebook or Yelp or one of the review sites and writes a review about that. That's those seem so far removed from my ability to correct those problems or even interact with those people. It, it makes it harder for me to uh, make it right for that person. You know, like if I got a really bad review on Yelp, like just eviscerates me like, Oh, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I would probably, you know, you know, water off the back of a duck. I'd probably be okay. But if it was somebody that was like, nah, I don't like it. Just kind of a mad review. I'd be like, well, how can I make you feel better? Please come back. I love you. Be my, you know, like, yeah, but it, it's hard to interact with that because it, it happens outside of your sphere of, in, of influence. So, I mean, those are always tougher to deal with, I think. So when, when you say, you know, that, oh, I don't like it. Like, 
is it a case of trying to start a dialogue with them to try and find out why they don't like it what in particular it is they don't like or is it just a case of well you know they're not giving me any more information how can i work on this no it's it's the first one i want everyone to love me everyone should love me nobody should dislike <laughs> me i want to be friends with everyone there shouldn't be anybody on this planet that doesn't like me so it, that's you know i'm joking but i'm not really i i would very much like if anyone doesn't like my game to find out why and if it's something that i can control if it's only one person saying it there might be more people that feel that way yeah if it's if somebody doesn't like my game because of my political beliefs or my stance on something else mm. outside of the trivia sphere i don't care as much anymore because that's not something i control in my game like i i my game is is generally devoid of of pretty harsh uh statement like things uh you know i generally will maybe sneak something in there like oh hey isn't that great guys sarcasm face you know but i don't you know it's not overt you know uh and so if somebody says oh, i don't like him because he's an asshole on facebook you know then i don't care as much but i if somebody says i don't like the game i would very much love to hear more from them like you said like how you know i want i want them to feel comfortable and welcome at my show and enjoy the show and if there's something about my show that is stopping them from doing that i would love to hear that feedback even if it's something as simple as like i don't like your questions you know you you you're not gonna win over everybody you know but if there is something that i can do i would love to do that and that's the the yelp reviews and facebook reviews make it tougher to do that because i'm not connected into those i don't get to see those so i have to go look for those myself because i don't have reviews on my own page you know it's for the venue ah and right okay they don't they don't automatically tell me if a review came in that mentioned trivia at all i have to go to their page open up all the reviews, search for the word trivia and see if it pops out, you know? So that might be different for people that have like reviews open on their own business pages and stuff like that. <laughs> I've never thought about going to <laughs> like the venues Yelp or, or otherwise pages and looking for that. Oh Lordy, you've just opened a can of worms for uh -oh. me. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I'm going to open oh, well. another can of worms. I mean, it's not, it's definitely something that you'll have seen. We've already got enough worms, Tipster. I'm we don't sorry. need another can. Look, right, they're fine. just... Look, <laughs> so we've talked about reviews and surveys, but have you ever received direct player feedback? Like, you know, days after the event has happened, either by email or um, but anything like that. Uh, is, is that something that happens often for you too? Or is it... Is that very rare has it happened at all in fact is that is that a channel of communication you have open for people i've gotten a couple of direct communications through facebook messenger okay um mostly mostly it was you know i really had a good time do you do that every week or or if it was somebody from one of my bigger events like you know how to you know how to go about scheduling their own game or anything like that but I've had one or two, I've had one or two kind of salty people 
message me because they know that it goes directly into my message box. Like, hey, just let you know the teams that play your game cheat. Like, no, they don't. But okay, I'm sorry you feel that way. But that was it was in ten years I've gotten that maybe twice, two times, and most of them are almost like personal attacks because they either don't like me or don't like the people at my game or something like, you know, something similar like that. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I haven't gotten an in earnest, Hey, I play your game a lot and I've noticed that you do X and I don't like that. I've never gotten that in an email or a Facebook message or something like that. I've never gotten an email or anything outside. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, all of my feedback has always been either night of or based on uh, a paper survey or something like that. So unfortunately, uh, maybe fortunately for me, I, I haven't gotten anything like that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> of course, I'm going to start opening up Yelp.com in here in a second. Uh -oh. See what <laughs> happens there. Tipster, um, what about since your tipster, since your game is mostly online, mm -hmm. is that a more common type of feedback that you get like outside of outside of immediate responses in twitch chat do you get emails and messages in that way i mean i get so i get whispers from people on twitch i get dms on um on twitter um and facebook um but a lot of it tends to because a lot of the community of players that i have in my games are people that i know in other communities as well mm -hmm. um it it regularly kind of it, it's usually a dialogue it's usually someone drops me a message on discord or um through twitch basically mm -hmm. going hey here's the problem i have um and you know, in some cases, it's just a hey, I we really didn't like that round, and I feel it didn't work well. Um, and others, it's several paragraphs. Um, uh, and and those those messages take a while to go through and a while to consider. Um, the other thing that I do um, that I've had, I've always had since day one, because this was going to be like this was never meant to be a long running thing but it kind of ended up being that way um was a feedback survey much like you do um except on that survey i gave them the opportunity to kind of you know usual kind of comment box tell me what you think how do you think night went what do you think we can change but i also gave them the option to you know do you want me to contact you directly about this feedback you, you've given me or do you want me to address it publicly um, because one of the things I feel helps in a community is being able to turn around and go I am listening to your feedback I am taking it on board I'm reading it here's what I think and for a while what I would do um, and this wasn't this hasn't happened so much with trivia because I've only ever received one response on that survey, even though that <laughs> link has been there for an entire year. Um, what's what's that link, Tipster? What's that link? So uh, I can send you messages secretly. Well, let me just just check. No, I'm still just open. don't don't do that. I'm just goofing around. I'm, I'm gonna send you angry angry messages. I believe it's pinnaclelarder.com slash feedback. No, it isn't. Okay. <laughs> um, it might be feedback.pinnaclelarder.com. 
I'm now frantically checking. <laughs> well, you don't have to actually check. I just wanted to send you a nice message. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> feedback.pinnaclelarder.com. You got um, it. Uh, but um, yeah, I've I've received like one, maybe two pieces of feedback through that form. But the idea is that it's anonymous if you want it to be. But if you want me to address you directly with regards to what you're talking to me about, um, then I will do that. I will, you know, I will make time to message you on Discord or through Twitch whispers to kind of go deeper into it if you feel you can't. Because sometimes it's difficult to put things into words. Um, so that's kind of why that's in there. And sometimes the issues that people have may not be something they want to draw public attention to. Um, so that's kind of, that's an out really for them. Um, and, and that's kind of why that's there. Um, but in terms of most feedback I get like the the one piece of feedback I received on that form was your game is too UK centric and that was after game one and since then I've gone right I recognise that I didn't realise I had such a large US audience and just kind of phase shift to write so I now have to write internationally and it was for me a moment of realization that my audience is wider than I thought it was not necessarily bigger, but wider. <laughs> um, and feedback like that really helps because unlike in your bar setting where you can see the people playing your game, you have an idea of who they are and what, and you know, and a general gist of people on the internet that's not the case you have a screen name and that is it um so having a, being able to identify that hey maybe there are people who don't live in the uk who play this game it, it helped a lot um and it's kind of been central to my ethos ever since um i i think that brings up like an important point about feedback in general though is that with very few exceptions, it should be welcome. It should be something that we uh, maybe, you know, maybe strive for isn't the right word, but, you know, we should advocate that people give us feedback on what we're doing because um, and I talked about it earlier this episode and I've mentioned it many times before is that uh, writing for a single audience or a, a wider audience uh, is tougher if you don't know what they enjoy and don't enjoy. And you grow and learn with the people that you write for. Like, if you write a bunch of uh, academic trivia stuff and they're like, no, we want more questions about the housewives of whatever, wherever they're at now. You know, it's like, okay, I can, you know, that's something I could easily change about my game. And Every little bit of information that you take in from your players, whether it's their scores, which is a big way to kind of tell right off the bat, uh, feedback, anything like that lets you do your job so much better. And it it really stinks that most people, I think, would assume that any feedback that they would get would be negative or, you know, 
and it would be a bad thing to get that. And I, I just feel that that's not the case. Like you said, like you wouldn't have known that your audience was as wide as you thought it was without mm. somebody mentioning it to you and your game would have continued on and maybe you would have lost those players because they're like, I don't know what's going on in the UK. I can't play this game anymore. But now that you know that, you could write a slightly more wide audience game. You could make it more accessible to players who might be just dipping their toe in and might become regular players or subscribers. Yeah, um, and that. So we've talked a lot about feedback from players. Yeah. Um, I want to go into other places that pub trivia hosts might get feedback from, um, namely venues or venue owners or um, the people that have hired you to run their event. Um, like, do you tend to get feedback from the people paying you, basically? Uh, or is it just a case of they don't really say anything unless, you know, like footfall isn't great? Wow. Um, it it hasn't happened a lot with me, at least with the places where I've hosted for LTA. Uh, I, I think I even might have mentioned this on another show that if there's going to be basketball games during March Madness. I may not be playing music between questions. I might just be hitting the audio for the game. So that was something that the venue owner told me. He's like, uh, hey, this is what's going to happen tonight, so let's make it work. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's make it work. And we did. Um, for the most part, I'm pretty autonomous when it comes to hosting for LTA. I go in, I ask the questions and we're done. You know, I bring in the business, they give me the money and they uh, send the, the split up to the head honchos and that's it. Um, I guess if I'm not making any mistakes, which I hope to God I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, uh, you know, they, they don't have anything that they feel like they need to say and uh, that's all right. Now, my little independent gig that's going on right now, uh, it just so happened that this past week I arrived and there was this little clipboard on my table where I set up <laughs> and it said trivia signups. And I'm like, what, what is this? Uh, and I talked to the bartender. Actually, she's like, uh, we, we need to have a quick conversation. So I go over to her. I was like, what is going on? And she said, well, the owner said that you have to get every person that plays tonight to sign their name on this, an attendance sheet, basically, uh, because that's the way that he negotiated that I get paid is by per person. And the week before that, I had a pretty large audience, and I don't know if that is the catalyst to that. The other thing that the waitress told me that the owner said was also People that come after the game has started at 7 p.m., uh, you don't get paid for them showing up, even if they play. Huh, that was an interesting conversation that I didn't have with the owner because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was all passed along. And so I don't know if I would call that feedback or not, but it, it was, you know, something about the way things were going and the way things were done that I had to at least change for that week. I don't know if next week I'm going to find another 
little clipboard or not. Uh, we'll we'll find out. And you know, at, at the same time, I kind of wish that he had texted me, called me, or something like that instead of me showing up and just you know being a little bombarded with it instead. Uh, but you know, hey, at the same time, he's the one that's paying me, so I did what he wanted me to do, and that was that, you know. Um, if he wants to, again, pass me along a message or whatever, that's fine. Uh, if I feel like I'm doing what needs to be done, I don't feel like I need to go back to him and, and say anything, so just kind of leave it at that. Um, you know, this, this might be something where, uh, you know, a face-to-face -face or a phone call might culminate in the future, but right now, like I said, if I can work autonomously, get the job done, and not break any rules or anything, and, and bring in the business, then, you know, hopefully no feedback is necessary. See, that's that's something that I have, or it kind of brings up a point that um, I've kind of had issue with as well. Um, and this isn't from me hosting pub trivia, but this was back when I was hosting um, poker. Um, trying to get hold of the person in charge who makes the decision a lot of the time is very difficult. <laughs> like, mm. actually getting a straight answer from anybody is is ridiculously hard. Um, and uh, I, I think we've talked about on this podcast kind of how to approach bars and things like that and kind of how to start out. Um, but getting when you personally have to pass feedback back to the bar and to the owner, um, I mean, uh, Jeff, you mentioned earlier that, you know, wobbly booths was a thing that yeah. came up. Like, how how do you handle that? Do you just kind of go to the bar staff here? Can you hand this up? Or is it something that you kind of turn around and go, you know, hey, like, this seems to be kind of disrupting your business. Do you want to sort it? Um, I, okay, so I have very mixed feelings about my, my venue's ownership because, um, I find them to be inaccessible and at the same time, exceptionally accessible. Um, if I, if I say to, okay, let me re let me start over. If there was ever a problem like Wobbly Booths that I found out, or like, let's say there was a waitress that was really awful and wouldn't serve beers or anything like that. And they told me instead of the manager for that night, my first thing to do would go straight to the manager uh, who I had a very long relationship with. She's a wonderful girl and, and say, hey, here's the thing that happened tonight. I just wanted you to be aware of it. And then she, who has a good relationship with the owners, would go speak to them about it or take care of it if it's an in-house thing that she's able to take care of. Because um, the place that the place that I hosted is one of a, a chain of like five restaurants. Okay. Uh, so there are some things that she could take care of on her own. Like if somebody, like if somebody's food was really bad or something, and they told me for some reason, I could go tell her and she could take care of that. Or same thing with the service. Uh, if it's like the booths, I did go speak to her about it and say, hey, there's a couple people that are talking about the booths. And she immediately said, oh, yeah, they, you know, we're working on getting that done. But that's kind of out of my hands. But I've mentioned that to to the owners and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I kind of have a direct route to their ears when it comes to stuff involving uh, 
the restaurant itself. So in that capacity, yes, I very much have a way to do that. If it's about my employment or what they are asking of me, it's very one directional. Um, the only real feedback that I've gotten from them is do theme games. And that was, <laughs> you know, I've talked about that multiple times before, but if you haven't heard those episodes, uh, there were multiple times during my tenure hosting where they would say, we need to do some theme games to get people in the doors. And then we'd have to switch to a, every other week was general knowledge. Uh, every other week was a theme game, which, you know, I have opinions about that. We could go into those a totally different day or have gone into those multiple times at length. Um, but that wasn't feedback in as much as I couldn't talk to them about it and say, here's why I think that that's a bad idea. And here's why I think we should do that on a totally other night or schedule it in a way that works better um, because they just said, no, that's what we're doing now. And, you know, you just kind of have to roll with that sometimes uh, from the venue because they are literally your, your employers. Mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes feedback is maybe not the right word it's for more... what I, what I've gotten from them. Um, it's not even a negotiation really. Yeah. Is it? It's, it's more just a general kind of, uh, demand almost. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It's, that's pretty much, you know, here's, here's what we need. Oh, you can't do that. Okay. Well, Bye. You know, one of those type of one of those type of situations. So I wouldn't necessarily call it feedback. I haven't gotten any real feedback in as much as we are happy with your performance, besides the fact that, you know, they didn't get rid of me. And I haven't gotten any we are unhappy with your performance as they, you know, didn't get rid of me. So nothing directly like we're really happy with how things are going or, or anything like that. Mm hmm. Um, but at least I did have a way to kind of communicate with them if I really needed it to. It just wasn't something that I took advantage of unless it was something that was outside of my realm of control, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it, you know, I may not be the, I may not have the largest sample size, you know, compared to people that have worked at multiple or, or who have multiple venues per week that have to deal with lots of different owners, they might get far more feedback. You know, it just be that the owners that I currently worked for didn't, you know, care too much about it as long as it went out without a hitch, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, uh, I think final thing to hit on really is, um, what's kind of the, the biggest piece of feedback uh, negative or positive that, that you've kind of got from people uh, over your time as uh, a pub trivia host? Well, um, one of the things that I have gotten, actually it happened very recently, and it also happened a number of years ago, the same concern, where years ago I had, I would say that the last round of a big charity game it, it played very easy. I think that uh, the questions had enough. Uh, there was like, you know, a clue built in where I think like every answer either had gold or silver in it. And that was made very clear, you know, so it was a very high scoring round. And uh, a team or two came up to me and said, you can't end a game on 
you know, such an easy round. The same kind of thing happened when somebody said uh, just a couple weeks ago, same kind of thing where I had a difficult question for the second to last in a round, and then I eased up on the last one. So it was something that pretty much everybody got. It was almost, almost a gimme. And they said, why would you end the round on such an easy question? The person from years ago who said, hey, doing a, the last round very easy, it doesn't, you know, it didn't create any suspense. You know, it's like whatever the, the scores were last round, they're pretty much the same now. I did agree with them. They actually had a very good reason behind it. So I do try to have something that's a little bit more intermediate to end a game, especially when there isn't like a big wager at the end. It's just pretty much the end of the game. That's it. Uh, for the one that happened just a couple of weeks ago where he says, you know, don't throw us a softball at the end of a round. I'm like, I just had, a, you know, a killer question come through that maybe one or two teams got right. I think that it's much better to end a round on a, a positive note where everybody's feeling good. Uh, and he didn't really have uh, anything else to say critique wise. It was more just of a, this is what I think, and I don't have any reason behind it. So, you know, that that just kind of fell flat with me. So based on that, uh, is there anything, like just to your two experiences, uh, do you feel like having a, a difficult question then easing up at the end of a round with a, uh, a softer question is a good idea, a bad idea, or do you have you ever heard anything like that? Um. In my event games, I absolutely would do that. The last question before a round break, when I would, because when I do live games, I do one question, one answer, but my big events, I would do 10 questions at a time. Um, I would purposefully put the harder ones kind of in the middle and the easier ones at the end so they could kind of ease out of the round and go back and fix the other ones that they maybe didn't get time to get to. Um, in a live pub setting, that wouldn't work for me because the final question would always be like the final wager round. Um, but I suppose at the end of the rounds before that I could, yeah, there's definitely something to be said about let's leave on a, let's leave on a good note. You know, here's one last thing before the final round that everybody can get right to make you feel good about it. I don't, I don't see any problem with that. Uh, even if, even if you, even if you don't have like a wager round or anything like that, like the questions are, pretty much said if you ended on a softball that everybody feels good about that just means that the question right before it was the final question you know and once you play the mm. game there are a couple weeks you should know that i hmm. uh, so things are very different with me with regards to that because i don't i've unless there's a mechanical reason for me to put consideration into the ordering of the questions in terms of difficulty i'll just do it randomly in the round like i i've never actively unless it's been part of the mechanics for a round um where the idea is that it does get harder as it goes along and and that feeds into kind of the way in which it's scored i've never actually thought about the way I structure the difficulty of my questions because I mean first of all difficulty is generally like you can get vague ideas of difficulty but it's it, it varies from person to person um, 
and and secondly i i feel like it keeps people on their toes and guessing um uh and and that's kind of i've never really received any feedback on that personally um but yeah it's not something i've considered up until now really yeah i for me that's not something i would really i I mean that's one of those things where it's like maybe that's that one person's opinion and that's as they might as well have said hey could you write more questions about early 80s wwf like okay (laughs) sure why not full of pandas for some reason (laughs) so um you know that that's just was like my example (laughs) on feedback i don't know where pandas in wwe came from but no that's the i I, I have just got this i've got this uh (laughs) image in my head now of of a panda just rkoing off the top row (laughs) i'm just oh my goodness that's Uh, one of my favorite t-shirt designs of all time is right after (laughs) right after the world wildlife foundation came after the world wrestling federation they had uh the the famous wwf panda logo for the wildlife foundation but there's another panda standing behind it with a chair about to hit it over the back <laughs> and it's susu with the steel chair yeah oh man such a such a great t-shirt all right well thanks for that uh feedback on my thing is there <laughs> anything else uh before we start to wrap up i actually have a very recent story uh concerning feedback um for those unaware i mentioned it at the end of the episode i think last week uh but it'll be i don't know five weeks or so four weeks until that airs um but i have recently uh semi-retired from trivia at least mostly from the trivia hosting aspect of it um just due to a lot of uh, a lot of scheduling issues and a lot of other things there's a lot of stuff that went into that choice i have a couple of opportunities as a question writer so i'm looking into continuing in that fashion but um i recently ended my twitch stream i made the decision not to go back to my bar and i wrote a big long facebook post about it about all the reasons and everything like that so if you're really interested you can go read it there but on that post i received um in one place, probably the most feedback about my game and my business that I've ever had in one place. And all of it was overwhelmingly positive. I don't think anybody wanted to go and and say, well, it's good that you're quitting because you suck. You know, I don't think anybody would do that. But it was it was really nice to see a ton of regular players, a ton of people that I've met, um, you know, interacting with the posts and and saying you know i always loved your game it's a shame that you're that you're done and that was for such a hard decision for such a emotionally tough week for me um one of the best things that could have happened is just everybody say it sucks that this is over but it was really fun you know i I, it was always nice getting good feedback in the live games um, but that came sporadically, you know, every, every now and then somebody would say something nice and it was, Oh, I really liked tonight's game. Thanks, man. That was really great. But to have uh, a decade's worth of players reach out to me via, via personal messages, uh, posts on that page and stuff like that. It was, it was literally a deluge 
of positive feedback of people being extra nice to me granted you know a lot of it was situational they may not have uh they may not have reached out to say those nice things if i wasn't retiring but uh it was really nice to hear that my time as a in-person and virtual trivia host uh was as enjoyed by my players as it was by me uh so i just wanted to i just wanted to say thank you to everybody that had messaged me or talked to me uh about my decision to retire and to let everybody that has a favorite pub trivia host or a favorite twitch stream um you don't have to wait to let them know they did a good job you know there is nothing wrong with a message at the end of at the end of a game saying really enjoyed tonight's game man even if it's in Twitch chat, even if it's a whisper or if it's an email or a post on their Facebook page, um, the little things like that, especially in this last year that we've had, uh, where everybody's kind of been so separated from everybody else, those little things, I cannot tell you how much that helped just to get a bunch of those all at once. So, you know, don't be afraid to, to reach out to your to your local and say, hey, man, really enjoyed that. That's that's it. <laughs> that's that's well, my that's my feedback that. story. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Um I it's it's definitely something that has picked me up at times as well. I have had um I've I've talked about it in the podcast before. I've had times when I've been finding it difficult to actually get the energy and the kind of brain space to write um and having people go you do a good job. You're actually like not that bad um really helps um despite me constantly telling people to lower their expectations um people seem to think that i i, I am above the lowest bar uh and and yeah it, it really it really helps in those moments it really does um and i'm kind of grateful for that for those people that do um how how do we get how do we get out of this <laughs> it's that's my fault that's it's my fine. fault. I took a uh, nose so dive. <laughs> we want right. to hear more from you uh, at home uh, about um, your stories, your anecdotes, uh, either as a player, as a host um, of uh, pub quiz nights that you've been to, either something absolutely sensational that's happened or something that was an absolute train wreck. Feel free to email them to us at quadriviapodcast at gmail.com we'll collate them all and we'll we'll have a read through them um in a future episode that we're planning um the idea being to kind of help us kind of not only look at situations that may or may not have come up in our own games but also go okay how would we like a is this hilarious b uh like how would we approach that I think is another way that we might be looking at that as well. Yeah. Um, so, so what you're saying is you're asking our listeners for feedback. Uh, yes, please. Quadriviapodcast <laughs> at gmail dot com. Um, uh, sorry, quadriviapod at gmail dot com. Ignore, ignore the cast bit. I um, <laughs> inconsistencies in our in our branding is. <laughs> <laughs> quadriviapod at gmail.com is where you need to send those anecdotes and those stories as well as submissions 
for our keyword challenge. Um, each week, uh, we take a suggestion from the community for a keyword uh, that we will then use to write the best question we can in 10 minutes. Um, you can either submit, uh, so this could be a word or a phrase, um, and we have to include that in our question somewhere. Um, you can submit those at that email address I just said there, or quadriviapodcast.com. We've got a little form for you to fill out there as well. Uh, and this week, uh, as we delve into the bottomless hat of suggestions um, that isn't really bottomless, please send us your suggestions. <laughs> Uh, this week's suggestion comes from Nikki Oak in Victoria, BC, in Canada, and it is Machiavelli. Machiavelli. Oh, I love a good plate of Machiavelli with some Alfredo sauce. It's the best. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I'm now worried that I don't know what Machiavelli is. <laughs> I thought I did, and now I don't. Um, uh, I'm super well, excited. One of us exactly. is definitely wrong. <laughs> oh, okay. Great. Uh, well, we're going to find out in about 10 minutes' time, I guess. Um, in the meantime, here's uh, an advert porn music. Go. <laughs> go, Jason. Go. And we are back. 10 minutes have elapsed, and we all have questions for you about Machiavelli, which was our keyword for this week. Uh, submitted by Nikki Oak from Victoria, BC, Canada. Um, so if you guys don't mind, I am going to go first uh, because I think that maybe I took the hardest left turn. Okay. This we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's not quite a left turn, but it kind of is. Oh, hello, macaroni. My dog's coming up to say hello. Hi, buddy. Okay. So here is my question. While he is mostly known for writing the political treatise, The Prince, Niccolo Machiavelli also played a small part in shaping late 90s hip hop. What artist changed his stage name to Machiavelli for his final studio album, The Don Caluminati, The Seven Day Theory? The album was released in late 1996, almost two months after his death. Um, uh, you seem to recognize it when you laugh there, Tipster. Yep. So does that sound okay? Yeah. Um, honestly... Not, I'm not a big fan of hip hop, uh, but being that it was music released after a death and it was the mid '90s, I've got a decent guess. I I would say your decent guess is probably right. There's two ways you could go on it, but I think you're probably going for the right one. Yeah, I mean the most famous dead hip hop rapper has to be Tupac Shakur, right? Is that the one you were thinking? That's of? the one I was thinking of as well. Yeah. All right, now let's hope that this is the one that Jeff was thinking of. That is the correct, and you you are right. If you're talking about uh, mid to late 90s uh, rappers that famously died, uh, the two, of course, were the war, or rather the heads of the warring faction. Uh, you had Tupac from the West Coast and Biggie from the East Coast. Um, I debated on whether or not to put the, the, the year in there to kind of pin it down. But I figured without the year, there's not a lot else to go on in terms of uh, that would turn it too much into a you know what or you don't. I think the year kind of makes it almost a 50-50 guess mm. if you're familiar with hip hop from the era. But um, thoughts, questions, concerns? Uh, first, my, my first thought was hearing Tipster react in the mid part of the question. And then me at the end going, aha, I think I know it, shows that 
you're writing this for, you know, a, a couple of different audiences, so to speak. You know, you're hoping that there will be people who will just know it from the fact that the artist changed his stage name and mm-hmm. that he had a, a, a CD, a, an album by that name. Uh, while those that might not be familiar at least might be able to pull something out of the uh, the ether saying, you know, oh, it was uh, somebody that had music released after his death. And and so it works on both of those levels, which I appreciated because I was on the lower level <laughs> on that one. <laughs> yeah, he's had a lot of albums released after his death. A lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's like six. Uh, it might be even more than that. But um, the interesting thing about this though is that because so much of it was uh studio recorded material they can still call them studio albums which makes it even harder to deal with because donka illuminati or the seven day theory is just seven day theory as most people call it um that is the last one that he had active influence on how it was done and the reason it's called the seven day theory is because he literally recorded it in a week uh, the first three days of the week were writing and recording, and the last four days were mixing. Um, and that was uh, one of the things that stood out to me most about that album, just in terms of little trivia factoids. Uh, that and it was it was scheduled for re- scheduled for release the year of his death. He died in September of that year, is released in November. Um, but that was a that was a weird time in hip hop where you had to kind of pick sides for a minute. And everybody was either East Coast or West Coast, except for the people in the South who are like, okay, I guess we don't count. <laughs> um, but as a uh, as a, a nice Midwestern boy who who did not have a dog in the fight, I far prefer West Coast. Uh, West Coast for life. Far prefer West Coast artists from that era, I should say. There's a lot of East Coast guys I absolutely love. But, Yeah. So that that was my question. That's not at all about Machiavelli. <laughs> that's all right. Machiavelli adjacent is fine, I think, for yeah. that one. I mean, you know, there's there are certain things that Machiavelli's known for, and I think being able to massage a question into something a little bit different that that you can relate to present day works quite well, actually. Yeah. All right. Who is up next on the chopping block? James. Oh, me, me, me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually went uh, a little bit closer to Machiavelli here. Now, listen, I know I joked earlier about Machiavelli being a pasta, but food namesakes seem to be a part of the family. In fact, Niccolo Machiavelli had two siblings. He actually had three, but two of them had uh, foodie-related names. One named for the Italian word for spring, which is used to describe a certain pasta dish, and then another that was named for the Italian word for daisy, which is used to describe a certain kind of pizza. So what are these two siblings' names? Now, I've got I've got ideas. I have... I'm lights out on both. Okay, so... Uh, I'm, I'm thinking the pizza might also be a cocktail as well, potentially? Um... In no way related. Um, I do not know. Uh, I can, I can look up what I think that cocktail might be. Okay. <laughs> and see if that shows up. Uh, so I th- apparently it is also the name of a cocktail. I did not know that. Okay, great, great. Are we, are we on? That's that's the page that I'm on. 
Okay. Um, I, that's the the Italian word for spring is the one you're talking about, right? No, I'm talking about the one that's a <laughs> daisy that's also a oh, pizza. That is, that is also a cocktail. I was thinking about the first one. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, apparently no. that's also a cocktail, too. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> cocktails for everybody. Um, I think, so I think one of them is margarita. Yeah. And um, the the other, I actually know from be, both the pasta dish, because I used to work in an Italian restaurant. Mm -hmm. Shout out Olive Garden. Uh, and second, it's the, the name of a famous painting by Botticelli as well. And I oh. I knew the painting first from a movie called The Heavyweights where somebody identifies that painting and the name of that painting has stuck out in my head forever because of that. Uh, but the the other one would be Primavera. Well, there Is you in, go. Um, yeah. yeah. Pasta Primavera, you bet. Uh, so did you say you looked up Primavera and that is the name of a cocktail? Yes, Primavera cocktail apparently is that? also... I did a, not know uh, that one. Let me see. I mean, to be fair, anything is the name of a cocktail if you try hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm fairly sure I've seen seen cocktails named Bob before now. Okay. So this one looks like it's a Brazilian one because it's on something called Novo Fogo, which I believe is uh, Portuguese, and it mm -hmm. uses cachaça, which I know is a Brazilian alcohol. Uh, but let's see. Uh, 1.5 ounces of cachaça. Uh, half ounce of lime juice, five cucumber slices, a sprig of cilantro, some agave syrup, and ounce of white lambrusco. That sounds like absolutely. Re that sounds refreshing. <laughs> that sounds downright refreshing, because cachaça is is similar to rum. It's um, instead of being distilled, it's fermented. Um, so that sounds like a a wonderfully light springtime drink. Mm, mm. Delicious. But yeah, uh, I should have I should have thought about part two when you're like, it's the name of a cocktail. Like, what? Margarita is not a cocktail. That's a pizza. <laughs> but yeah, it's also it's, it's, it's also a, it's also a cocktail. But I I knew the the Daisy Clue. There is a YouTube video that floated around, or a series that floated around forever, where it was like, here's how to say things in English. Here's how to say things in Spanish. Here's how to say things in French. And then the German guy shows up and says something completely different. And so it's always like uh, the margarito, or it was Daisy. Here's how to say Daisy. And it was like, Daisy, Marguerite, Margarita, Blumkefschamten. Like and the, the German guy shows up and says something very angry. <laughs> like the the one that always that I always remember is ambulance, because it's ambulance, ambulanza, ambulance, Krankenwagen. <laughs> like, and so they just go through each of the four languages. So like through totally different weird routes, I knew both the, the Italian word for spring and the Italian word for Daisy, which I, I absolutely love the fact that the number of ins that I had to that was so large. And the ones that I focused on were an old 1990s kids movie and a silly YouTube video. I, I absolutely love the fact that that opened the doors for me. I one. also think that's the first time I've ever heard Olive Garden being given a shout out on a podcast. <laughs> like, who 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 shouts out Olive? I I honestly I loved working at Olive Garden. Okay. There was there was parts of it that I hated, but it was so much fun. Plus, I got to eat Olive Garden like every day. It was I great. Mean, 
Well, I was going to ask her, were you the cheese guy? I Everybody's the cheese guy, no matter <laughs> what. You always got to bring that cheese because people are like, I'd like some cheese. And then you do a little and they're like, no, I said some cheese and that means a pound and a half. But that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I very much enjoyed my time at, uh, at Olive Garden. But I digress far too much. Uh, let's take a look at this question in depth. I think I, I was joking around about the number of ins I had because of dumb related nonsense. But that's honestly what I love best about this question. Um, I don't think I would know anybody that would know Niccolo Machiavelli's siblings off the top of their heads, yeah. just flat out without that. And then you also have the Italian word for spring, which is a type of pasta. So you either could know it from speaking Italian or be familiar with pasta primavera. Um, or you could know the Italian word for daisy, you know, or uh, associate that with uh, margarita pizza. Uh, there are a wonderful amount of ins in this. And that's one of the things that I like to do. If I know that a question is going to be slightly simpler uh, like I, I would put it like at the beginning of the middle of my game or use it as kind of a, like a refresher question. I will add more ins so that people have more to talk about because they're going to get through the question faster and they're going to have a little time to kill. And so I might put something that's a little bit, uh, a little bit further left field, but still works as a clue so they can get it from the other clues, but then they'll spend their time talking about that fourth clue and how that lines up with the rest of them too. Um, and I think that that's one of the good things about this question is that there's enough doors to get into it. And there's enough, uh, as Jason would like to say, meat on the bone to talk about it after the question has been asked. Um, cause if I was sitting at a table with my friends, I absolutely would have brought up that YouTube series where they just say <laughs> words in different languages. Be like, Oh, have you guys seen that? Oh, it's so hilarious. Krankenwagen. It's hilarious. You know, exactly like I did. <laughs> Imagining a bar and just like out of the corner, just someone shouting Krankenwagen at the top of their voice. <laughs> and just the whole bar turning around going, what the heck is all that? What are they doing over there? Yeah. I'll have what they're having. Um, I, don't, I don't remember who I was talking about. I was talking about the German language. I think it was with Jason. Like, I just love mm. the fact that their ambulance is literally translated as sickness car. Like, yeah. that's, you know, why bother? Their, their hospital sickness building. Like let's not let's not complicate things. It, it's it's quite a it's quite a well put together language that you can <laughs> kind of work out. Um, but back to the question. Yeah, sorry, I'm digressing it's, like crazy. No, it's, it's My fine. Apologies. It's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, I I think that you're going to hear a lot of people going, "Is macaroni a name?" Uh, <laughs> or things like that. Um, but I think it's going to give them a good shout. Even if even if they don't know the Italian word for daisy, they're definitely going to be able to pluck a pasta dish that sounds vaguely name-like out of the air. They might not be able to give you the exact one, but at least, uh, like, as I said, my main ethos with questions is to make people feel like they've got a fighting chance of getting it. Yeah. And being able to distinctly go, they're in these categories of things. Um, certainly does that because you're effectively giving them a big list of multiple choice there um, and I I like that thank yeah. you there, thank you very there aren't too many different varieties of well I mean there's a lot of varieties of pizza but there's only a few that have 
like very specific names and recipes. So if you said start naming types of pizzas, margarita would be at the top of my list, you know, or towards the top. Ah, ah I was going to go vermicelli and pepperoni. <laughs> uh, I've got one more. Yeah. So yeah, was, <laughs> yeah. one of us is going to need intro intro. Yeah. We'll just keep talking over each other. <laughs> but uh, it's time for tipster and his question. Go ahead. Okay, uh, I kind of took this a little bit more on the nose. Um, Machiavelli's The Prince is said to have influenced what British monarch to declare and enact that they were, and I quote, the only supreme head on earth of the Church of England, and that failure to recognise this fact was treasonous and punishable by death. Wait. Oh, I feel like I know this from world history, but... I, so long ago I can only I can only think of one person that would say the first part but are you serious that failure to recognize it was treasonous and punishable by death I, I am 100% serious oh okay wait 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 maybe I'm maybe I'm reading that wrong were they talking just about the that person's place as the head of that church or that they had to honor him as such like they had to follow that religion uh so um it's to not use that title when talking about them and if you were part of that particular church to okay. not honor that title that's still pretty crazy but that's my brain immediately went like wait he did what yeah <laughs> like okay that's that's still pretty crazy to say that, you know call me sir or die um but that's less crazy than you're all members of this religion or die. I that's, mean, that's a little crazier. To be fair, there were. Yeah, they had wasn't some wars uncommon about it. at the time. Is all I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Well, James, I'm I'm almost one hundred percent positive that I have that I know who this person is. I feel what? like I know who it is too, simply because I feel like. This monarch was just, you know, a little bit power crazy. So much so that, I mean, he was, and if I'm not mistaken, that this monarch was trying to get a son. Am I correct? Yeah, that is that's correct. the one. Yeah. They were trying yeah. to get their prince, to be fair. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, we'll say Henry VIII. And that is 100% correct. Um. As that, so there were three acts that were brought in, um, kind of very close together. One kind of declaring that King Henry the Eighth was the only supreme head on earth of the Church of England. Uh, one um, basically making it um, uh, mandatory to take the supreme oath, recognizing that fact, and the treasonous. Um, the Treasonous Crimes Act of 1534, making it punishable by death not to do so. So just a quick succession of laws brought out within like six months of each other, um, basically making this storm of, you will, you will, you know, call me this or or die. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I think that is... Uh, <laughs> <sighs> that's that's pretty nuts. I mean, when it, you it talk is. about King Henry VIII in trivia terms, almost always it's in relation to his wives 
and that that whole shenanigans mm -hmm. with all of that. Uh, but yeah, it's let's not forget that, like you said, he essentially popified himself. Yep. And then said, "You call me this, or I'll kill you." Uh, and he, he basically turned around and said, "I am the person who is God's messenger on Earth right now." Yeah. Um, through this, um, and it, it's. I don't know. It, it looking back on this and researching it, I was getting severe flashbacks to certain things that may or may not have happened over the past few years that we're not going <laughs> to delve into right now because it's not yeah. things that I'd like to talk about on a podcast. Um, but yeah, in in the words of Kanye West, that shit cray. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Ain't it, Jay? So, oh my god! <laughs> All right. So, looking looking at this question, the I, I think you're going to have a hard time separating any British monarch and Church of England. I think you're going to have a hard time getting away from King Henry VIII. I think mm -hmm. that that's at least a well enough known connection between the creation of the Church of England and King Henry VIII that most teams would be able to get that. I think you might have maybe one or two teams that that don't have someone that's history centric that m might take a different guess or you know who knows. But I think that that would be like a 90% get rate minimum. When asking something like that, I love the fact that the back end of this question gets crazy. Like <laughs> that you could you could easily have just said uh who declared that they were the only supreme head on earth of the church of England full stop. And you'd still have about the same get rate. And then you have just like James's question gave, gave you more things to talk about. This one does too. It does exactly the same thing. It gives you something to laugh about the, the realization that I had that this was in fact the truth. That's exactly how I would have acted at the table. Just exactly the same way. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> and it would have given you something to talk about over the next minute or so as all the rest of the answers went in. I I love I love questions like this that not only are fun and interesting, uh they are um confidence booster questions, mm -hmm. they're points boosting questions and then they give the teams something to do for a minute because they're easy enough that the answers should be quick if you know it, but then you have that moment of conversation with your table where you're like, did he, did his crazy ass really say he would kill your ass for that? Like, is that, is that real? And so, I mean, I'm, I'm giving you the feedback that I like this question. <laughs> you know, um, you make a good point <laughs> though, that questions don't, you know, the, obviously you don't always have to have hard questions. And mm -hmm. if you can make the easy questions, have something a little extra to them, either a factoid, basically, that you build into the question or something to, uh, or give them something, like you say, to talk about. It, it really just kind of elevates the question altogether. And, of course, elevates the game as a whole. So I think that I can only see positive in all of this. Uh, and... You know, uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the question because, you know, like you say, it's all factual and uh, despite how little nutty it is. I can't believe so. that's I can't believe that's fact. That's 
that blows my mind. I, it was commonplace back then to basically be like, I am in charge. I or have die. been given the divine right of kings. <laughs> you shall not fault me. Anything I say goes. And some people went mad with power. Um, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, famously Richard III. Um, but, you know, it wasn't just Richard III. Yeah. Um, so, all in all, very good questions all around. But maybe you had a favorite of them so if you would like to let us know a little bit more about what you thought of those you can vote for the audience favorite on quadriviapodcast.com and let us know if tipster jeff or myself had the better machiavelli question and we'll uh tally those up and i'm sure we'll have a, a nice uh, ceremony to uh, <laughs> celebrate the winner sometime in the future please give us your feedback <laughs> yes alright uh, we are ready to give now uh, a bit of a little game here actually I'm going to give you the game it looks like got Ooh. 10 questions and since I couldn't find a whole lot of questions based on the concept or the words feedback I did find some questions that ask uh, about positive and negative things so I think that'll be a nice little tie in theme to go with it so if the two of you are ready, we can go ahead and delve right into our first question, if you'd like. Yeah, ready when I'm you are. ready to go. All right, we're going to start off with a true-false question here. Boo. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, uh, honestly, um, I hear that all the time, that true-false and multiple-choice, quote-unquote, don't belong in trivia because anybody can make a lucky guess. You know, well... Not everything has to be about skill all the time, you know, if you're just having a fun game. But I digress. Let's get to the question. Question number one says, true or false, South Africa's Sesame Street has an HIV positive Muppet character. Oh. How's that for an out of the game that's a, that's, Yeah. <laughs> just, just... <laughs> Dropping um, bombs on you. What do you just, say? So, right. Okay. How long has well, Sesame Street been going? 1969 okay so before the aids epidemic then yeah well but it's it's also south africa's and luckily enough i've been watching no i'm just kidding i have never seen south africa's version of sesame street um but uh with uh my young kids i have you know been watching a little bit of modern sesame street because i grew up with it as well mm -hmm. uh and so you know, I like it when when the boys watch Sesame Street. And one of the things that I've noticed is that they have, at least in the American version, painfully uh, taken steps to uh, include hard to talk about topics. Yeah. Um, like, I believe they now have an autistic Muppet. Uh, there yep. was a homeless Muppet. I don't know if that's still a thing, but there was a there was a, a Muppet that struggled with being homeless for a while. Mm -hmm. Um so my gut reaction would be that this would be true that they would i you know part of me almost remembers i thought that there was an hiv positive muppet in the american version too i don't remember but that that is very much something that the show strives to do in terms of uh at least here in america so i can't yeah. imagine that the south african version of it is so different that they wouldn't do something similar to that so that seems like it's at least plausible 
So I would lean towards true. I don't I don't have a 100% answer either way, but I would lean towards that being true. I've yeah, I've got a similar feeling as you. Um I've got no like it, I didn't even know that South Africa's version was different. I just thought they did the same thing everywhere, but that obviously makes no sense. Um because, you know, languages are different and also because of the issues that they depict, they're different everywhere so yeah no it makes sense it definitely makes sense as for whether it's true i don't know but i i i'm leaning true all right well if you both are going to lean towards true i will lean you towards that that is the right answer cammy is an hiv positive muppet and helps address the aids epidemic in south africa so trying to turn that negative into a positive so that's a good thing to see all right, uh, we'll go to question two. <clears throat> what type of treatment that uses no active medical ingredients can still cause a positive effect? Its name comes from the Latin meaning, I shall be acceptable or pleasing. Okay. I have, I have ideas on this. I have one, but then I have another dumb idea and i don't know if this is if talk, we're playing 4d chess talk, or... talk me through the dumb idea i want to so, hear the dumb idea well i have to i have to do the non-dumb idea first uh i'm almost i'm almost positive that that is like the dictionary definition of a placebo where they give you something that's not medicine and you think it's medicine and it works mm-hmm. but i also remember there's something called a nocebo which oh. I don't know if that is a if that's a specific effect, like if it's the nocebo effect or if it is its own separate thing. And I, it makes me crazy that I can't figure out how I know. So what I was that is. I was definitely like placebo was the first thing that came to mind for me. Um, no active medical ingredient ingredients. It's usually like a sugar pill. Yeah. Um. Uh, maybe with a little bit of lemon juice or something in there. Yeah, something to, to make it feel astringent, like that. To, that to bitter make taste. it, yeah. yeah, to make it feel like it's actually a pill. Yeah. Um. But and that's that's always the control. The control is always the placebo. Yeah. And they measure the efficacy of the of the non placebo group against the placebo group. Yeah. So I that's got to be it. But why am I thinking nocebo? I, I don't know, because that is not a term I've ever heard before. Which one do you want to go for? I'm, well, it's, I'm going I'd say placebo. placebo. Yeah, it's got to be. I, I don't think that you'd... Uh, yeah, let's say placebo. Yeah. Okay. Well, from the Latin, meaning I shall be acceptable or pleasing, is a placebo. And uh, while you all okay. were talking, I did look up what nocebo meant. And it's when you're given, say, a sugar pill and told that the drug has terrible side effects or being told that during a surgery or procedure, these bad things could happen to you and it negatively impacts your recovery simply because of the suggestion. That's it's it's the it's the placebo effect. But instead of being positive, it's negative. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm glad that my brain didn't do something really weird on that but yeah i'm okay (laughs) yeah i that's that's interesting though that that's um 
I didn't know that it meant acceptable or pleasing, but that that actually makes sense. And then I I would bet that nocebo is either just not acceptable or pleasing. Well, maybe I don't know. I was gonna say it sounds like nocebo is kind of a, a just made a up portmanteau word. or a movie. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, acceptable or pleasing or to placate, I think uh-huh. have a similar root. Let's yes. See. From from the Latin, I shall harm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I shall. So I I think the I think the bow part is the I shall, and then the first part. So placebo is to please. I shall please, and nocebo is I shall harm. <laughs> wow. I mean, wow. talk about you know that's pretty simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I right. like it. Okay, let's go to number three here. Uh, how many of the 20 different answers that you get from the original Magic 8-Ball are positive? Oh. Ooh. Okay. And we're talking... Uh, are we talking strictly positive here? I would I would assume that there's... Because there's that, like, middle... There's the there's middle that, ground, There's that there? middle bit that's, like, ask later or unsure or uncertain or, or whatever. You know, the, I can't tell you right now. Yeah, you know, talk go away. Yeah. yeah, I can clarify for you that there are positive, negative, and then what we'll call neutral, such as yeah. you know, ask again later. So basically, we discount yeah. those. Okay. So I think anything that would be like maybe, like I I think that that would probably like maybe so, mm. like so I so I'm just trying to get in the head of somebody who's marketing a magic eight ball right now, right? Um, in terms of proportions of answers, when you ask a question, you're kind of expecting a positive answer, right? Like, that's the only reason you're really asking the question in the first place. So I think on a kind of psychological marketing level, it's going to be somewhere in the ballpark of like, I don't know, 40 to 70%, something like that. It's not going to be ridiculously small. It's not going to be ridiculously large. Yeah. Um, Like if I would, if I was doing it, I would, I would probably do like, I don't know, like seven and seven and six or something, you know, like a, it couldn't be, it couldn't be 33% either way because it doesn't work that way yeah. it would have to be something close to that so i would say like maybe eight five and seven or and i'm talking like positive neutral negative i or, i think but you know what you're probably right it's probably heavier weighted towards i i think it's heavier weighted towards positive i i think you're you're talking like eight or nine yeah. at least um, I mean, I'd even go as far to say maybe eleven or twelve. Um, I just because I've never, I've never actually used a magic eight ball personally. Um, I've seen them on like Toy Story, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, so, well, the I I used to have one, uh-huh. and I'm trying to go through. I know this sounds stupid because I'm not going to be able to think of all twenty answers. But like I'm trying to think of negative ones. Okay. Uh, and I mean, there's surely just a straight no. I 
I it, there there has because I know that there's just a yes, so there's probably just a no. So that's at yeah. least one. And then there's um, I know there's one that's like outlook is bleak. And yeah. I know there's I know there's like a snooty one like don't don't bet on it or something like that. <laughs> don't bet on it or just don't. <laughs> but I mean, I I. I'm almost more inclined to go with your higher number guess because I feel like I can only think of like maybe six ways to say no. Okay, so, if so we I say don't know. I, six, yeah, I don't know. If we say like, six no's, yeah. and then like you've got uh, ask again later, um, uh, uh, I mean. We came up with a couple of maybes at least, yeah, three or four. Um, I'd be tempted to go for eleven. Yeah, I yeah, I think that that's. I think we're at least in the ballpark because I I think that we, I think that we could at least guarantee that it's like you said. I think it's like minimum of eight. Yeah. So but, I mean, I I think we're at least in the ballpark. So I don't know. Let's say eleven then. All right, so your final answer is 11. Yeah. You said, ah, oh, there might be 8 or 9, could be 11 or 12. Not once did you say the right answer, oh, which is right in the middle. you're kidding me. 10. There are 10 positive answers. God, they go, um, mm. it is certain, it is decidedly so, without a doubt, yes, definitely, you may rely on it. As I see it, yes. Most likely, outlook good, yes, Signs point to yes. There are five neutral and five negative. So basically, if you discount the neutral ones, you have a two to one ratio of yes to no. <sighs> that's that's about in line with what you were saying, though. To, yeah. In terms of percentage, like of yes. The reasoning was there. It's just we went with the wrong number, basically. Which is fine. It's a. I mean, it's, it was a better than a one in twenty shot. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I'll tell you that uh, there were some different versions, including one that was uh, Lemony Snicket's unfortunate events series uh, that had a lot of no answers and, <laughs> and things that were like that. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. And, yeah, one of my. This is almost a little dark. One of my favorite tweets. Uh, some comedy writer guy put out it says if you drink the blue liquid from a magic eight ball you can see the future trust me my friend keith did it once and he said he was gonna die and then he did <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh no what is that liquid by the way um shoot I, it, I, would, I know i, I would guess it's just oil it's, right it's like dyed glycerol or something i think you're absolutely right about that um Liquid in magic <laughs> eight ball. Uh, it's alcohol. Oh, dark oh, blue dyed okay. alcohol. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's the magic eight ball question. Let's go on. What's next? Oh, it's about Freud here. Uh, which of Freud's divisions of the human psyche operates according to the reality principle, working out positive outcomes for the self while minimizing negative outcome for society? So if it's positive outcomes for the self while minimizing negative outcome for society. Uh, so I'm between either ego or superego, right? Because I can never remember which way around they go. I was, 
I always thought that ego was the, I mean, how we use like, oh, he has a big ego. Like he thinks a lot of himself. Yes. But if I, if I remember correctly, one is about, um, as it says there, positive for yourself whilst also trying to mitigate damage to society. Whilst the superego, uh, uh, well, I mean, superego seems to make most sense in that it's kind of the wider extent of that going, yeah, uh, screw you all, I'm the best. Okay. Uh, so I, Okay, I see what you're saying. So I'd, I'd be leaning towards ego, personally. Yeah, I can get I can get on board with that. That's one of the three that it could be. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Of the it's, three, at this point, it's multiple choice, and meh. I I wish, man, I wish I, because I, I like your your description, your description works for me as well. But I think I could also do it backwards and say like. The superego is the better version of the ego. So it worries about your own positive outcomes while also minimizing negative. And the ego is the one that's like, it's all for me. I, yeah. you know, I could see it both directions, but I, I'm inclined to trust you as uh, you got us really close to the mark on the Magic 8 Ball one. So, okay, let's go. Let's go ego. All right. Uh, the id is kind of like for instincts, and the ego is for reality, the superego for morality, and the one that fits what I said about uh, kind of positive outcomes for yourself, n minimizing negative for society, is the ego. So you oh. got it right. So I, well, okay. I got it right, but completely the wrong way around then. <laughs> <laughs> Both of us were looking at it uh, completely wrong, <laughs> but we still ended up with the right answer. I am okay with that. I stumbled upwards. That is kind of just a way of living at the moment. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. All right. Here's number five. <laughs> What late 80s band, consisting of Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus, <laughs> can be translated from the Turkish for positive energy? Okay. I've got this. I... All... Okay. So, I'm going to kind of bury the lead for a second here. Uh-huh. Because I'm pretty sure that Fab and Rob is enough to get me where we're going on this one. Okay. But... Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you guys remember uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's character Bruno? Uh, I mean, do you yes. remember the, it? Like the fashion model character? Yeah. Did he? I, well, if you guys don't remember him well enough, I could have. I could have swore. I could have swore that he had an ongoing relationship with one of these two guys, or in in the the you know the story of that character. And I can't remember which one it is, but I could have swore that he just calls him Millie instead of his actual name, but I don't okay. remember which one it is. But I I think I think Fab and Rob is enough to get me to Millie Vanilli. Yeah. Yeah. The uh Turkish for positive energy translates to Millie Vanilli. Oh. I guess you gotta be positive when you're duping all the people, right? So I gotta let's see. Bruno Millie vanilla oh okay so there's from the movie there's a very famous scene where he visits a psychic and speaks to the spirit but i don't remember let me see millie yeah it's it's rob 
uh, Rob from Millie Vanilli that his his former lover. Okay, that's sorry. Just for my own edification, I wanted to is, to remember which just, one. Just to clarify, is Rob alive? No. Okay, I thought that was the bait and switch on that sketch. Was like go to a psychic and get them to communicate with someone who's still alive. But I might be wrong on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just thinking okay. of that scene and how distasteful and really funny it is. <laughs> right. We. Uh unfortunately finish the positive parts i hate to Uh-oh. end on negative but we are going into the negative questions here for six through ten hey we're maybe we'll start... get a question about nocebos yeah. <laughs> we're gonna start with another true false though uh in a single game in 1905 james blackstone made bowling history due to penalties he is the only player to have scored negative 10 okay um so right Unless the rules have changed since 1905, which is actually quite likely. <laughs> um, I know some pretty bad bowlers out there, and they have never actually got negative in anything. Like, so unless there were like previous rules of like, oh, you stepped over the foul line minus minus ten or something. I feel like this is bollocks. Well, I'm trying to think. I I'm almost positive. I'm almost positive that the the worst penalty that could be done to you is you get a zero for a frame. Yeah, but at least modern bowling. Yeah, but I'm just trying to think. Has it? Could it have ever been the case that or maybe there were penalties for those things? Maybe there's something like um like interference or something like something that we wouldn't think of because when i'm thinking of penalties i'm thinking of stepping over the line which is you know pretty much the only you know the only real active penalty that people pay attention to in bowling yeah. like you just uh, can't step over the line you know it's a foul market zero dude you know? it'll be like having your you know minus 20 for having your chicken on the bowling lane <laughs> during yeah. an opponent's shot or um or, or, or not like, okay, so hear me out. It's 50-50, right? Yep. We're in the negative half. Let's say it's false. The first uh, one was true okay, in the positive sure, half. We're in the negative sure. half. This I'm, one's a false. I'm riding this train with you, Jeff. Yeah. Well, I didn't plan it that way, but your logic is infallible for that because it yes. is false. Yes. <laughs> However, <laughs> James Blackstone did make bowling history. He is the only player to have ever scored a 299 and a half. Wait, what? Apparently, on his last frame, one of the pins was struck in such a way that it broke in half. What? And the judges were like, <laughs> well, what? it's half a pin. And what? that was the way it was officially scored. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? That's, I, that's crazy. Yeah. I yeah, I, there are newspaper articles about it, and it's if, it's unbelievable. But apparently, it happened. Can you? Oh, okay. I'm not even talking about just the fact that he knocked over half a pin, which that itself is crazy pants. But he bowled a two ninety nine and a half. He was one half of a pin away from a, a perfect, perfect game. game. 
and they're mm-hmm. like no oh look at that that's that is really really passive aggressive scoring Mm-mm. look at that the butt the butt of that pin is still on the ground you bowled a 299 and a half like did it suck split, it forever did it split in half <laughs> vertically or like did it take the top clean off i'm actually not i I think it was the top. I can't be sure. Okay, uh, it would almost have to be. It would almost have to be just yeah, the top. Yeah, because it would balance otherwise, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Can you ridiculous? Oh, and oh also, my god! And also, definitely at that point, they were like, "We need to build better things." <laughs> 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 Holy shit! Let's let's continue into negative territory. Uh, I'll make no other comment except read the question here. Finish this tweet posted by at real Donald Trump on May 31st, 2017. Quote, despite the constant negative press, blank. Uh, This is the infamous... uh, Yeah, I I know this one too. Of... Yeah, I, I think it's uh Kofefe or uh CO it's like a pretty close misspelling of coffee. Almost, isn't Despite it? Isn't it like the, neg- C- the constant negative press coffee. It's just like <laughs> yeah, no, uh one of one of the interns made me a bad cuppa. Uh, uh... <laughs> I like yeah, you you pretty much said it correctly. It is spelled C O V F E F E which I just don't see how how do you accidentally type that and then click send well, I, it's not going to be an autom- it's not going to be like an autocorrect thing either yeah. like that's the thing so either like they are so they are so arrogant that they overrode the autocorrect on their phone or whatever they or if they were or you know they were doing it at their desk on an actual computer so it's kind of yeah Uh, okay so i know that i might catch some flack for this but i mean it's a human thing to type some of a message stop doing that for a second and put your phone in your pocket and and not pay attention to it for a second and that's 100 percent what happened he was typing he had to have been typing something else got distracted by like a butterfly or something, put his phone <laughs> in his pocket and then like his thigh hit the send button and, you know, and a, and a bunch of nonsense. That's absolutely what happened. I don't know why this was such a huge story, except I do because he like wouldn't back down and he wouldn't get rid of it. And why? then like it's some of his followers were like, it's a secret coded message. And it's like he, his thigh typed it guys. <sighs> like, Oh, like it, the, as much as that made me laugh, that that he was like, he's just typing nonsense words now. No idea what's happening. Uh, like the the rational part of me is like, he started typing something and then stopped. I don't know why everybody's going crazy about this, but everybody, you know, that was back before we all had to stay inside. <laughs> I mean, you know, imagine if 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 the same thing happened back in the fifteen hundreds. Henry VIII would be the only supreme head on earth of the Kafifi of England. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay, so I'm looking at the... There's a Wikipedia page for the word Kafefe. Yeah, so, of course there is. Uh, it looks like he sent it right after midnight and then deleted it six hours later, but implied that its wording was intentional. That's that's why that's why it stayed around. That's what it is. 
He's like, no, I didn't make a mistake. Because never mind. Did you know what? Before I... they went to sleep and then just woke <laughs> up and went, oh. Uh, yeah, I think that's the story that I had heard. You know, it was like you know, fell asleep and it accidentally hit it, and you know, six hours later, like, oh no, the the papers do, you know, <laughs> or, or something. <laughs> well. Whatever the case, uh, yeah, you both got it. It's going to live in our memories forever, unfortunately. <laughs> and we move on to question eight. A rupture in the tympanic membrane usually has a negative effect on which of the senses? Ooh, I know this one. I think I know this one as well. Because tympanic, to me, instantly says drum. Mm -hmm. And there's only one part of the body that I know of that has a drum in it. Unless, That's right, your knee. Unless there are secret <laughs> drums in my body that nobody has told me about, which would explain why, like, my body is making noises sometimes. Uh, it's, it's, it's your, it's, yeah, it's got to, it's got to be your hearing. Your hearing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is your hearing. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, you don't have a drum on your knee, but uh, if you come from. Uh, uh, a certain state which is slipping my mind you might have a banjo on your knee uh, that's the yeah oh susanna you don't have a drum on your knee but the doctor oh, yeah. does yeah, like whatever. to hit it constantly yeah <laughs> all right uh going going on to number nine uh, whatever that accent was it just just came out that way just own it was that was that like an inspector clouseau or something so here we go christian nine good <laughs> the morning square root of a negative number is represented by what lowercase letter? Oh, I know that. I know this one. Too. Oh, I don't know if you're going to have some an angry engineers on this. Oh, you know what? As soon as you said that, I know exactly what you're about to say. Yeah. So let let's go with the first answer, which and, is I think and then what we Jeff can talk about the second one. This is yeah. Uh, square th square root of a negative number is i. It's an imaginary number. Yeah, it's well, it's a it. multiple of i. Yeah. 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 I squared is negative one or whatever. Is it? Isn't it negative one? Yes. That is, yes. Yeah. And I actually uh, went to an engineering school. And as soon as you said that, you triggered that little part of my brain. And I, I think I know what letter you're going to say is J represents yep. imaginary numbers. Now, I can't remember the exact reason is it simply it's like, j for imaginary I... <laughs> I thought was it just because i kind of looks like a one or something or it has to do with vectors or some weird something or other um i don't quite know all i know is that mathematicians constantly argue about it uh <laughs> like it's it's a constant thing between mathematicians and uh, engineers like what is the square root of minus one um and i it might just be uh ah so in um it's because i is used to denote current oh okay oh that makes sense um in electricity so yeah because engineers right. already have a use for i yeah huh. I, I, I was thinking it was like dating back to elizabethan times when <laughs> we only had 24 letters in the alphabet uh but that would just be u and v and w and things like that huh well there you go all right well see this is exactly what happens to us trivia 
writers and hosts, uh, you're going to have the one person in the audience who's going to, you know, raise their hand from the back of the audience. Hey, actually, engineers, here's the letter J. Yeah. You know, and and then you're going to, you know, you'll hit the Google or whatever and you'll say, ah, you know what, you're right. I'm sorry, I'll accept J as the right answer. Uh, You know, because it's very possible that I could have written that not knowing. You know, I I would have actually stayed completely ignorant of that if you hadn't said something, Tipster. So, well, it's always... yeah, it's one of those things we come across quite a lot in trivia writing is that you can't always account for every possible answer that satisfies the conditions you're writing. Um, and it's just a case of, right, well, we'll just deal with this here and now, I suppose. I guess. Well, uh, let's deal with the last question. Number 10. <laughs> uh, what red blood cell substance found in 1940 are blood types called positive with it and negative without it? Oh, God. This is... Ah. Why am I thinking of peanut butter? (laughs) (laughs) I know why, And monkeys. (laughs) Oh, wait. Is this... Is this... um, Ah. Come on, filing cabinets. Work. Um... This is recess, isn't it? I sure. I I was gonna say, I have zero chance on this one. I do not know what this little doodad is called. If I remember correctly, it was illustrated for me when I asked about it previously with like a little circle with lines on the outside. Mm. Uh, but that could also just be blood type that I'm misremembering being illustrated. How the differences work. Yeah. Um. But. Uh. Yeah, it. That's that sounds like it could be a thing. So, the weird thing is that the first uh, the first time I had like an interaction with, hey, blood types are different, and this blood type can't tra- transfuse with this this blood type, was in a little known survival game called Daisy. So, I think it's I think it's Rhesus. I'm not sure though. I'm okay I'm with that. Tell you, yeah. Oh, well, um, if you're okay with it, I'll tell you that the rhesus antigen, uh, and it's spelled R-H-E-S-U-S. Okay, so uh, not is, like the peanut butter. Right. Uh, it, <laughs> is, it is often called, though, the R-H factor. Oh. you right. have it exactly right. So, nice. So rhesus like the monkey with an H, not rhesus like the like peanut the, butter cup yeah. with, the, with the apostrophe. But yeah. you know what? I'm going to forever imagine blood cells either surrounded by Reese's peanut butter cups, which I assume my blood cells would be like that, or not surrounded by peanut butter cups. And I will remember <laughs> I will remember that the, it is negative to not have peanut butter cups. Does so your that's... blood does your blood have peanut butter? <laughs> God. <laughs> my heart is working so hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay well um i think with that let's uh get out of here and um thank you very much for a great game by the way james yeah i, I really like thank that you. and uh, that's that's a really fun idea that's that's a a really great way to come up with a round based on something kind of tenuous like feedback mm. it's just positive or negative i love it 
thanks very much. I'm glad that I was able to share it with you and with our listeners. And uh, now I think that we need to share some information with them. Why don't we say who we are? Yeah, let's do that quickly so that I can go stick my head in a fridge because it is still boiling here. Uh, I'm Tipster. Uh, you can catch me at the Pinnacle Larder. Um, I'm currently on a bit of a hiatus at the minute. Um, but if you go to facebook.pinnaclelarder.com, give us a follow there um, and uh, we'll keep you updated as and when uh, we go back on the air. Broadcasting live from a bar somewhere in the Antarctic Ocean. Uh, I've been Jeff with RMT Trivia. As I said earlier, uh, I have recently retired from uh, hosting duties, but you can still find me at all of the social places at RMT Trivia. Uh, you can search me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm not super active, but I'm still there. So come be friends with me. Yay. And my name is James Key, the Trivia Nerd. And you can <laughs> find me on the social medias at the Trivia Nerd. You can hit that on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, the Trivia Nerd at gmail.com and uh, the Trivia Nerd.com. And that's where you can find me. And finally, uh, where you can find all of us here on the Quadrivia podcast, um, on Twitter and Facebook, it's at Pod. I believe we have an Instagram. There may be a TikTok in the works for all I know. Oh, Corey God, put I it in the not. show notes if there is. Um, <laughs> our website, quadriviapodcast.com. Um, also, a shout out to our Patreons who help make this possible. Um, you can support us over at patreon.com slash quadrivia. And finally... Um, our email quadriviapod at gmail.com where we're looking for you to send you uh, to send us sorry your uh, keyword challenges and also your anecdotes about your best and worst experiences at trivia whether that's as a player as a host um, we want to hear about them because we want to have a bit of a laugh and also you know we can talk about them on the show at a later date um, and I think that's pretty much yeah. everything I think I could cram the same joke in maybe another time. Please give us your feedback at quadriviapod at gmail.com. Like, I've used that joke like six times and you guys haven't laughed like the last five, so why not cram it in one more time? Okay. <laughs> Where do we go? Speaking of moist oysters, <laughs> we just got new toilets, and uh, apparently the water levels are a little higher than they used to be, and my boys go for a dip. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs>